you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 120 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, we have some mailbag questions to get to. We're going to be talking Coach Canseco, playoff quirks, the best third baseman in franchise history, and the current starting rotation. Also, quick note, Daniel Mangdon was named as the player that tested positive uh, for COVID on Saturday. He's been asymptomatic and feeling good, so hopefully he'll be cleared to play before too long. Also, Marcus Simeon's time frame uh, to hit the field is still to be determined. Uh, I said that, you know, it kind of sounded like it would be like a game or two. Looks like we'll probably have to wait until the Houston series to see him on the field. So, uh, you know, that that's the news heading into today. I didn't want to take up too much time doing those things because we have lots of mailbag that we need to get to today, and I need to try and keep it short if I can. But before we get rolling, please, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and also follow us on social media at LockedOnA's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those over to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Also, today's show is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Rock Auto is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write the code Locked On. that is two words, Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box and let them know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And I promise you, I'm going to get to your questions right here in just one second. But but real quick, the Astros beat the Rangers. So the A's lead in the West is two games going into play on Friday. So uh, now it is officially time for questions. The first question I got today is from Daniel Bart on Twitter. Daniel asked, with a very weird season happening, what playoff rule changes would you like to see them experiment with this year? And I really like this question and I'm going to have some fun with this one. But uh, I also want to throw out a disclaimer just first and foremost, that uh, I actually would like to see them roll back the extra inning rule in the postseason and get it as close to the traditional game that we're used to seeing as possible because these things were just implemented. And uh, if you're looking for the best team in a season, then you need to take out as many luck factors as you can. And, uh, you know, they didn't have an offseason build for this type of a postseason. So uh, that, that just wouldn't be fair. Like if the Dodgers get ousted in the first round, I mean, that happens sometimes anyway, but you just don't want it to be on a fluky play that, you know, because there was a runner on second base and they the opposition uh, bunted and then got a sack fly and then they scored a run. And then that's how they won the World Series. I mean, unless it was the A's, then, you know, all, all four uh, runner on second base uh, beating the Dodgers in game seven of the World Series. That'd be great. I would say that the DH could also disappear for the same reasoning as I just uh, said. But the counterpoint is that having the designated hitter actually makes the offenses better. So for that reason, and I think that I'm okay with it staying. Uh, the extra inning rule wasn't planned on, and 
you know, in the interest of finding the best team in baseball, I, I gotta say, you gotta earn your wins and extras. So that's where I stand on that. So that is my disclaimer. That is all that I have to say on that. Uh, but with all of that said, the first rule that I would implement in a wacky postseason rule uh, extravaganza here is that uh, when the Astros are at bat, then you just move the fences back like 30 feet. That's uh, that's my first rule. And, uh, you know, I think that that would be fair. And I feel like that one is just a given, you know, you, you gotta screw over the Astros somehow. So, so, so take that, everybody. Yeah, I showed you with this super serious rule. And if that one's too hard to implement because of the moving in and moving out of the fences and all that stuff, then I got a backup plan for the Astros to screw them over. And this one is nice and simple. If they hit a batter at any point in a game, then they forfeit that game. End of story. And if they, I mean, you can't hit multiple batters. So uh, I guess that, you know, the A's would have won five games in their series with the Astros. So see, it's just that easy, isn't it? Uh, are these real suggestions? Absolutely not. Do I think the Astros should be operating on an even pl playing field? Absolutely not. So that's kind of the basis for uh, for that one there. I also think that every team should be able to bid on the services of Mike Trout for one game, but to make this interesting, uh, they have to select which game they'll use him for over the course of the playoffs before the postseason begins. So if you're the Dodgers, do you bid on him in a World Series game, like a Game 7? Or are you like, oh, we can take whoever we get in Game 4? You, you want him in a clinching game, you would think, right? But you don't know who you're playing and all that stuff. So there would be uh, some strategy involved. And I, I like that idea. If you're the A's and uh, you, you get to make a bid for him at any point, uh, you're definitely putting all of your money into Game 3 of the first round because their first round matchup is definitely going all three games. And uh, you want him in that clinching game. So game three of the first round is the one that the A's are going all in on to get Mike Trout services. And also the cool thing about having this little uh, this little uh, gimmick, I guess, would be that you get Mike Trout in the playoffs. He'd be wearing all the different jerseys, uh, but he'd make fans out of everybody. So I think that that would be a lot of fun. And this is something that they actually do, like in the Caribbean League, I believe, or, you know, uh, somewhere like one of the winter leagues. They do this, actually, where like the best players that don't make the playoffs just get bought out by other teams. And uh, it makes it weird, I would imagine, but this would be fun for, you know, this postseason, I guess. Be like, yeah, hey, we got Mike Trout for, uh, you know, game two of the ALDS. So watch out, everybody. Ha ha ha. Um, yeah. And also, uh, basically, if a team bid on the same game with another team, like if they both wanted them for game four of the World Series and they both made it, then the team that bid the most wins. So that's how you get Mike Trout in the World Series. Um, also, all the bid money would be donated to organizations working towards racial equality. So that's why it would be a nice thing. Uh, Major League Baseball is not making any money off of this. They're actually putting their money where their mouth is. And uh, that would be a definite plus. So make this one happen, Rob. Again, I don't know if this is actually a real suggestion, but, you know, I thought it was a fun thought experiment. So uh, let me know on Twitter where you would use Mike Trout as an A's fan. I picked game three of the first round just because there's only going to be three games. I figured they're going to get one win without him. Might as well have him roam in the outfield along. You know, maybe he plays left field and then you got Robbie Grossman off the bench. I don't know. Um, or you could have him DH, not even use him in the field. There you go. Figured it out. Mike Trout, DH for the Oakland A's. Hit number two in a series deciding game. That would be so much fun. Uh, tell me you're on board. I, I enjoy it. Um, anyways, uh, I'm going to go on to the next one here. And this one is also from Daniel. He asked another banger of a question. This one is your take on the A's greatest third baseman, Chavez, Lansford, or Chapman. 
And I went over to Fangraphs because that's the site that I go to for all my statistical analysis. That Them and Baseball Savant. I, I like both those guys. And first, a little bit of a disclaimer here. Uh, I remember Carney Lansford playing for the A's, and I remember him being my dad's favorite player on the A's in that time frame. I do not remember watching him play necessarily. Uh, I know that he's great and whatnot, and he went on to play. I was thinking for the Twins, that was Steinbach. Um, yeah, he had a good he had a good career. I I know that much, so that's why I am relying on Fangraphs for him uh, for the most part here. And they have him with a 23 uh, Fangraphs WAR uh, over his tenure with the A's and a 111 WRC plus. So over his career with the A's, he was 11% above league average. Not bad at all. That's a pretty solid career. Uh, didn't make it to the Hall of Fame, but, you know, not everybody makes it to the Hall of Fame. This isn't the NFL or the WWE. Come on. Uh, he wasn't a big home run hitter, and they're not huge on his defense. So, unfortunately, it's not Carney Lansford as the top guy in the third base conversation when it comes to the Oakland A's. Uh, and I am just doing Oakland A's at this point. I cut it off at 1968 and just went from there. So, from 1968 on, he is probably in the second tier of third baseman. When it comes to the Oakland days, uh, there are only two people that are in the first tier, and I'll get to them here in a second. Uh, the other person in the second tier would be Eric Chavez. His WRC Plus was just 2% better than Carney Lansford, so just a slightly better bat. And his defense was really what put him ahead overall. And by ahead, I mean that he had 9.5 more wins above replacement than Carney Lansford. So, And he played like maybe a season more, so it wasn't like a full... I think it was like 80 games. Uh, it wasn't... A big difference in games played, but, you know, the, the wins above replacement was a big difference. So that would lead me to believe that Chavi was the better defender. I know that defensive metrics aren't as good going back, you know, to the uh, the 80s and 90s, but they're also not as bad as watching like the 1920s or something like that. So they have a decent idea of how Carney Lansford was. So I'm more apt to believe what the, the numbers are telling me on him. Oh, I, I just saw that I actually wrote down how many games difference there was. Uh, it was 120 games, not 80. That's my fault. Anyways, uh, Lansford had the better batting average overall at 288 with Chavi coming in at a 267, but they both had the same on-base percentage. So at the plate, they were roughly equal if you go with that. Uh, Chavez had a little bit more power, but he also played in an era where power having power in your bat was kind of the norm. So it's kind of hard to knock Kearney for that one there. There's still more to go on this question. It is a very long answer, and I apologize for that, so I'm going to cut it right here. And then uh, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Indeed. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for three million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB, their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. When you need red wine at 4 p.m., sushi at 9 p.m., a breakfast burrito at 8 a.m., and an ibuprofen at 10 a.m., Postmates it. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. 
anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver. They are the largest on-demand network in the U.S. and offer delivery from all the restaurants, grocery, and convenience stores, and traditional retailers you could possibly want or need. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, Postmates will bring you what you want within the hour. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver anything to you. Download the app for iOS or Android for free, browse local restaurants and businesses, and track your delivery in real time. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code Locked On. That is one word, Locked On, for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates. Download the Postmates app and save with code Locked On, one word. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. Real quick, before I get back to the question that I was uh, midway through, please follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB. You can also email us any questions to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So, currently fourth in war, wins above replacement, but with fewer games played with Oakland than just about anybody else on the list and roughly five and a half seasons worth of games behind Chavez is the current A's third baseman, Matt Chapman. For his career, Chappie has a 128 WRC plus and 17 wins above replacement, and as we can all attest, is the best defensive third baseman we've seen in Oakland, Chavi included. So currently the list goes Chavez, and then you got Lansford, and then you got Matt Chapman, uh, differing games played, so we're going to get into that here in a second. But at the top of the leaderboard, go to somebody that was overlooked in the question, comes from an overlooked dynasty in baseball from the 1970s A's, and that is... Sal Bando, my friends. Uh, he had just over 1,400 games played in his time with the A's from the time that they moved to Oakland in 1968. And in those 1,400 games, he had a WRC plus of 130 and totaled a, a Fangraphs war, an F war, of 46.6. He walked more than he struck out. He played solid defense. He won three World Series. So, you know, let's not discount that at all. Uh, Sal Bando is the cumulative best third baseman in franchise history, according to the standard things. But I have a wrinkle here. If we extrapolate Chapman stats over the same number of games played as Sal Bando, then it would be Chapman at the top of the heap with 57.2 wins above replacement if he keeps his current rate. Uh, compared, And this is compared to Sal Bando's 46.6. So it's more than it's 10.6 wins above replacement more than Sal Bando. But I have a second wrinkle for you. Because this, I, I got, I had fun with this question, so I, I'm going to keep going with it. Uh, there is also no guarantee that Chapman will play as many games as Sal Bando. He currently is at like 419, and uh, you know Sal Bando's at 1400, so he needs to play another thousand games with the A's to get there. And uh, with three years left to control, he's not going to get there unless he signs an extension. So. The other part of the wrinkle is I took three seasons, uh, multiplied that by 162, just assuming that he's going to play every game in those seasons. I know that there is time left in this season, but I'm taking, you know, if he plays 162 or close where he gets injured in one season, then that kind of accounts for the rest of the games in this season. Uh, hopefully he doesn't get injured a lot or have a lot of off days. But, uh, you know, it, it was my best guesstimation because I don't know if when 
how many games he's going to be playing. So I'm sticking with this, and that puts him at 905 games played, which at his current rate of war production would be a total of 36.7 wins above replacement. That is 14 wins better than Lansford uh, in 300 fewer games, and four wins better than Eric Chavez in 400 fewer games. But unless Matt Chapman signs an extension, Sal Bando will remain the best third baseman in franchise history, according to war. Uh, and, and I know, you know, we're going cumulative, not necessarily... Uh, you know, per game basis. So that that's what I'm sticking with. It's Sal Bando as the answer, even though the answer would be Chapman if he plays enough games with the A's and like plays his career with the A's. So uh, that's something we can hope for. <laughs> we'll see. Um, anyways, our next question comes from Brad Stark. It's a different person, Brad Stark, who asked how much of the team's success can be attributed to the starting rotation and who is the team's current number one. So for this one, I stuck with Fangraphs yet again, and I totaled up the rotation's war total. And uh, so far this season, it's at 1.9, which is right in line with Yu Darvish's win total for the season. And that's Yu Darvish by himself, not the Cubs rotation, just Yu Darvish. And it is worse than Shane Bieber, who actually leads baseball at like 2.3 wins above replacement. So uh, they're worse than Shane Bieber overall. But overall, their A's rotation is second best in baseball if they were one person, I guess. So that's the positive. I'm just joking. That's not a positive at all. Uh, by comparison, the relievers for the A's have been worth uh, a cumulative three wins above replacement. And the starters have a combined record of 12 and 10. With surprise, surprise, Mike Fires leading the way and wins at four. And Frankie Montas leading the way in losses with three. So if you had to pick a pitcher to, you know, pitch, it wouldn't be those two. So that's weird. Uh, as for who the current number one is, uh, actually, Sean Manaya has the lowest fielding independent pitching on the team, uh, which means that, or it indicates, it doesn't mean it indicates that he's pitching the best regardless of how the defense is playing behind him. Uh, small sample size, so obviously, you know, things like that don't necessarily mean what we think they mean over the course of a full season, but... You know, uh, his ERA for the season is 564. His FIP is 379. So if he's somewhere in the middle, yeah, I think that we'd probably maybe not take that Shamanaya, but if he's at 379 for an actual ERA or pitching like a 379 pitcher, not bad. Uh, the guy that I would probably hand the ball to at this moment would be Jesus Luzardo, who has an ERA of 367, but a FIP of 428. His nine strikeouts per nine is solid. His 3.33 walks per nine aren't going to break him. And he has the best stuff on the team right now. So if you're looking for somebody to shut down an opposing offense while going up against a Garrett Cole or a Lucas Giolito or whoever they face in the first round of the playoffs, uh, he'd be the best bet to keep the other bats at bay. Um, and actually, now that I've thought about it, Lucas Giolito versus Jesus Luzardo would be a fun, fun matchup, I think, in a in a playoff series. So I'm kind of hoping that it happens because um, the, the offenses are both really good. But those two pitchers are both fallible but can be dominant. As we saw Lucas Giolito throw a friggin' no-hitter, uh, I think that they're both – it'd be a fun matchup because neither of them is like, oh, I'm not going to allow any runs, but they could. And uh, that would be a fun playoff matchup. So hopefully the A's face the White Sox and uh, the A's beat them in four. Final note on this topic, though. If Frankie Montas regains the form that he showed earlier in this season, I'd bet that he would be the number one guy with Luzardo starting right behind him. Uh, I think that, you know, he offers stability. He's a more veteran player. You don't necessarily want the rookie leading your playoff rotation. But, uh, you know, if he's pitching the best, then he gives you the best shot. Then you got to do it. And uh, hopefully Frankie Montas regains some of his form over his next couple of starts and, you know, gets it going heading into October. So 
That is the hope right now if you're an A's fan is get Frankie Montas right. And then you have, you know, solid arms with Bassett and Mike Fires. I don't know if you want them being the main guy, but they're great supplemental pieces. I would not be mad at them starting like game three, game four, something like that. So uh, we, you just got to get that that top guy. That's all you got to do. Figure out if it's going to be Luzardo, Manaya, maybe, uh, or Frankie Montas. That That's what we're going to be doing over the next month here. I have one final question before I get out of here, and this one comes to us from Dustin Roberts, great fan of the podcast, really enjoy. Uh, actually, all three of these guys are great on Twitter. I really appreciate um, them interacting with Locked on A's on Twitter all the time. So uh, thank you to everybody for their questions. I really appreciate them, and I appreciate just, you know, talking about baseball with you guys during games. Uh, so thank you to everybody, and if you want to send them in next time, go ahead. But anyways, this question comes from Dustin Roberts, who asks, should the A's bring Jose Canseco in for a bench job like McGuire is doing now loved jose as a kid my initial reaction was yikes but then i you know i thought about it a little bit more and here's the actual answer that i have typed out for you uh i don't know that canseco would make a great coach he is an entertaining guy and was an exciting player but i think that he's more of a showman than a teacher and that is my reasoning for my yikes uh he's likely more suited for the role he had during the postgame show a couple years back where he'd talk with Brody brazil on the postgame and then uh you know offer some insight every now and again and just not wear sleeves that was his thing it's just not wearing sleeves so uh i think that he's more suited for the entertainment aspect of baseball not necessarily the coaching and developing uh part of baseball but don't come at me jose this is just guesses i don't know <laughs> I also think that there's a chance that he's been unofficially uh, blackballed from the on the field product a little bit as well, just because of his book that came out, you know, two decades ago, uh, really outing the steroids guys and uh, really exposing baseball for their complicitness in the whole steroid scandal. So, uh, I mean, the, the one highlight that I always have in my head of Jose Canseco is the ball hitting his head and going over the fence. So, I mean, maybe he could be Joe Adele's coach in the outfield. I don't know. That's a cheap joke. Moving on. Uh, so with this all said though, um, he never really had a season where he was below league average at the plate. So that's really impressive. He knew what he was doing when he was up at the dish. Uh, I know that some of that was, you know, steroids fueled and all that stuff, but steroids don't make you hit the ball. They make it hit it far sometimes, but as far as at the plate, that, that wasn't the whole story, I don't think. Um, he got on base at a good clip. He didn't strike out a whole lot by today's standards, so that's nice, you know, for a masher of that era to not strike out, you know, 30% of the time like we're seeing now, or 35% of the time. He was striking out like 23-24% for his career, so not bad. Uh, the resume on the field is there, but if he's not blackballed by baseball in general for the from the on-field product, then the other factor that I could see that would likely keep him away from being a coach of some sort would be that he's been away from the game in like a coaching or, you know, as a hands-on part of the game, uh, he's been away for a, a pretty long time and the game has changed a whole lot. Pitchers are throwing harder now, stuff breaks more, hitting is arguably more difficult these days. So I don't know if what worked for him back then would still work today. I'm sure that there's like a process that would work, but I don't know that, you know, he's well-versed in a launch angle and things like that. Um, so if he were serious about a coaching role, he'd definitely have to start in the minors and double A would probably be like the highest stop. He wouldn't be, you know, triple A and you know, I'm here. He'd probably go, you know, short season or something like that. Maybe even the Dominican or something like that and just see how it went. So I don't think we're going to be seeing Jose Canseco in a coaching role, but 
Uh, those are my reasons why and not just yikes. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to get out of here, you guys. Stay indoors. Celebrate good times. Thank you for your questions so much. Keep wearing masks and I will talk to you guys tomorrow.